Welcome to the Healthy Family Project by Produce for Kids, covering the hot topics in the world of health, food, and family with a dose of fun. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Healthy Family Project podcast. I'm your host, Amanda, and glad you are joining us again today or for the first time. Welcome, welcome. Uh, Today, we are touching on an important topic, and I really hope this helps families out there who um, are dealing with uh, mental health in their teens or truly just mental health, you know, learning more about mental health, the more we can educate each other, um, the better we will all be. We are talking to Dr. Stephanie Smith. Dr. Stephanie has joined us on several past episodes, including episode 23, dealing with test-taking anxiety, and episode eight, anxiety around back to school. Um, And I'm sure we'll have her uh, in the future for more episodes after today. Uh, But today we are specifically focusing in on the mental health as it applies to teens and tweens. I have one of each. Um, We pulled a few questions from our Healthy Family Project Facebook group. If you haven't joined the group, please do so. Um, And find us on Facebook. Do a a search and you'll find our page, our Facebook page, and then you'll find our group. Um, And we love to hear episode ideas and feedback on the podcast. And really, there's just discussions over there on all things families you name it, you'll probably find it in there. We do talk a lot about food and nutrition, um, but you have a burning question and need to bounce it off of some friendly people in a safe space, that's that's where to head. So we hope to see you there. And we did have some great questions pop up in, on this topic in the Facebook group. And I'm really looking forward to speaking with Dr. Stephanie again today. Let's jump in. Welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Stephanie. It's been way too long since we've last recorded an episode. For those of you who don't know Dr. Stephanie, she's been on several episodes. You'll definitely need to check those out. We'll link up to those in the show notes. So before we jump in, why don't you tell listeners a little about you? And I really, I haven't talked to you for a while, so I want to know what you've been up to. What's exciting going on? Well, I'm not sure if there's anything (laughs) exciting, but um, I'm a psychologist in Colorado, and I have three kids, um, two teenagers and a tween, Um, and I am in private practice, um, kind of in the Boulder area, and I have been very busy during COVID. Um, Mm -hmm. It's as we kind of all know, it's been, um, it's taken a big toll on, on, I think everyone's mental health, but especially teenagers. So I'm glad that we're going to get a chance to talk about, about teens today. Great. Yes. I, I have some backgrounds, not professionally (laughs) on this topic. Um, As most of you know, I do have a teen and a tween as well. So I'm, I'm in that boat. Um, so let's jump in here. I did ask in our Facebook group, um, for questions for people to submit, you know, their, their questions that they wanted me to share. And one that I thought was really great was how do you know, like, where is the line? Because we all know teenagers are expected to be moody and hormonal and mad and, you know, shifting from happy to sad. So that one of the questions was, how do you know, like, how do you know when it's like, oh, this is, we've crossed the line, I guess, into something that we need to address, or is this just normal teen behavior? 
I think that's a really good question. And I'm not sure that there is a hard and fast rule um, for when we need to seek care for a teenager, but a few things to keep in mind. I mean, the first, probably most importantly, is trusting your own gut. If something just feels off or weird, or you just have that nagging sense that something's wrong, um, reach out and get services. Um, There's really not a huge downside to being proactive. Um, So definitely trust your gut. Um, Past that, I think sometimes kids ask. So obviously if they're asking to see a therapist or a counselor or talk to somebody, um, you know, do everything you can to, to fulfill that request. Um, In terms of things to notice in behavior, isolation is definitely one that we want to keep an eye on. So um, obviously kids probably spend a lot of time in their room. um, And last year was really weird when they weren't going to school. But now that Mm -hmm. schools are pretty much back in session, if you're just noticing that they're spending hour upon hour upon hour alone um, and maybe not doing the things that would they would normally do and enjoy, um, that's a red flag for sure. Um, so if they normally enjoy, I don't know, this time of year going to a pumpkin patch or going to a youth group or soccer or playing, even playing video games, um, with friends online, whatever it is that their thing is, if they're not doing that in favor of isolating themselves, um, it's definitely time to make a call. Okay. That, that's good advice. I definitely feel like um, <clears throat> over here, you know, in my world, I just try so hard to keep communication lines open and talk about things other than, you know, grades and did you do this? Did you clean your room? Did you blah, blah, blah? Because um, mm-hmm. I tend to go down that path <laughs> as we all do as parents, but to try to work on communicating in conversations that are outside of those things that are just kind of light. And I feel like having kind of just those kinds of communication and conversations help me in my life to recognize when things, you know, seemed a little off. Um, so, so what are your thoughts on privacy? This was another question we had in the Facebook group. So someone said, you know, some kids don't want to talk about what they're feeling. So you know, it might be up to a parent to maybe dig a little deeper into the communications they're having with others, text messages. Um, one mom, one mom asks, you know, how, really, how far do we pry? She also asks, side note, is it normal for your teen to like everyone but you? But that's for another episode. Um, but I do think it is <laughs> uh, normal. But what do you think about the privacy? How how far is it for parents to to go to kind of figure out what's going on? This is such a good question and one that I kind of grapple with both professionally and personally as a mom, Um, because I think there's danger on either side. You know, I think there's danger in giving our kids no privacy um, and there's danger in, you know, the opposite, um, kind of giving them free reign. Now, part of the developmental task of every adolescent is to begin separating from their parents or caregivers. Um, 
and become a little more independent and maybe rely more on their peer groups. So that's one of the overall tasks of adolescence. Now that doesn't happen by the time you're 14. I mean, that may happen by the time kids are 21 or 25 or 30. I mean, that's a very long-term task. Um, But I think sometimes it can help parents to keep that in mind. Like it is normal that kids start to separate from us. However, with that said, they're still children and they're still living with us. Um, For the most part, we're still paying for their, you know, internet Mm -hmm. and phone and all of that stuff. So I think, um, I think that does, I hate to use the word entitle us, but to have more information about what's going on. Um, so I think, you know, it's okay to, I mean, and, and beneficial really to see if you can be friends or follow or whatever your kids online, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. Obviously they can easily get around our prying eyes with those things. They're much smarter than we are. Yes. Um, but, um, I think, you know, other ways to, um, kind of get more information are, um, you know, really trying to talk to our kids, give them a chance to talk to us in every kind of possible situation we can think of. So that's like going out to their favorite restaurant, playing video games with them, the games they like, Um, going on walks, taking family vacations, um, driving in the car in circles, like whatever, you know, just Mm -hmm. providing lots of opportunities to talk because different kids are going to open up in different ways. Um, I think it can also be important to try to know our kids' friends that's not always possible, but if you can, um, just know them a little bit. I think that's good. If there's a way to engage your kids with other adults that they don't hate so much, right. <laughs> um, that can be great too, whether it's grandparents or teacher or a, a neighbor that's cooler than you. Um, those are all ways to kind of um, have lots of eyes on your kids. So even if they're not telling you exactly what's going on, there are other people that they're hopefully telling or sharing um, with that you could communicate with if need be. That's good advice. I have implemented that in our world. Uh, early on, I identified, uh, you know, the cooler than me people um, and said, you know, hey, you can give me a call whenever you want or text me or whatever it might be. Um, and I think it's been just been really good for her overall to have other you know, because you want to hear the same thing over and over from your parents. But then if you have someone else say, yeah, you know what? Your mom's probably right. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's that's right. You didn't say it. But now because someone else said it, I agree. (laughs) Right. Or even like, gosh, I can see where your mom is concerned. Have you considered talking to her this way or telling her that or. um, But yeah, I think the, you know, years ago, it was the kind of popular phrase to say it takes a village. And um, I think it kind of lost its meaning, but I think with teenagers, it's, it it becomes even more important to like, try to put as many 
adults, young adults, old adults in their life um, as you can. Sure. Yeah. It, it, those examples and just having more people to talk to and mm-hmm. share with is really beneficial. I know it has been great for us. Um, okay. So another question for you, once a parent or caregiver has identified that their teen needs help, how do they know if the teen needs to see a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a counselor, social workers, therapists? It's, it's very confusing. It is very confusing. There's like a million different mental health professionals. So you are definitely not alone if you have no idea who's who and what's what. Um, I would say the really the best place to start is with your pediatrician, um, especially if you have a relationship with them, which most kiddos, I think, do mm-hmm. have um, a short or even a long-term relationship. And they they often feel fairly comfortable going to their pediatrician. You know, it, it doesn't set off alarm bells. So, you know, I think that's a great place to start. Just make an appointment and say, hey, we've noticed some concerns. Um, these are the concerns. The pediatrician will probably want to talk to your child um, alone for a few minutes to understand a little bit more about what's going on. Um And then they'll be able to help you come up with a plan. You know, um, if medication is what you're looking for or what your kiddo needs, a lot of times pediatricians can manage that right from their office. Um, If they don't feel like they can or if it's out of their scope of practice for whatever reason, they will refer you to a psychiatrist nearby that they work with. Um, But like I said, most times... um, pediatricians can at least start that process. Now, if you're looking for therapy or counseling, which is very often recommended in conjunction with any kind of medication, again, um, pediatricians typically maintain a list of providers in the area that they have worked with and had good luck with and trust um, that they can give you. So, you know, it may be some social workers or some master's level therapists and some psychologists, which are doctoral level therapists. Um, And, but at least it kind of, you know, maybe it's five or 10 people that kind of makes the list smaller. What type of therapist, whether it's a social worker, psychologist, um, licensed professional counselor, um, it doesn't really matter. Um, as long as they are, you know, well-established in your community and have experience with teenagers and kids. And again, let the pediatrician be the one that helps you filter those folks out. Okay. No, that's definitely good advice. I I feel like uh, even, which kind of takes me into my next question, but even talking with like the insurance companies, they're like, well, who do, what do you want? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know where I need to go. So um, pediatrician is definitely great guidance for families. And I will say in my experience too, our school, um, and I think a lot of schools, especially like with the COVID, um, you know, pandemic, everything have a mental health counselor on site. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, you know, they're not, they don't take the place, of course, of any of, of, the needs for these things, but it is an extra support. So I would say if you are going down this path, reach out to your school 
and see, um, and also kind of in the same vein as having someone to lean in or on or talk to, but just knowing they have someone at school that they can go to in a time, you know, of distress or, you know, they're feeling that they really need to speak with someone that they can um, get to that person pretty quickly. So I would definitely say check in with your school as well. Definitely. I, I, whenever I work with kids or teens, I always recommend that they um, form a relationship with their school counselor. Interventionist is another title they sometimes have. Therapist. Um, Because um, like you said, it's not, they're not mutually exclusive. Like you can work with both an outside person and someone in the school. And it's great since those counselors are embedded within the school system, the kids can access them themselves. They don't have to wait for mom or dad, right? Make an appointment and drive them there. Um, and there's, there's a lot of power in that. Yeah, for sure. I, I know it's been very helpful for us um, to have that support system within the school. Um, okay. So next I can tell you, I, I really, I don't have the best health insurance plan. Um, some of these mental health services can be pricey. I know this from experience. Um, so are there organizations out there that you know of that can guide parents who might be worried about the financial burden of you know addressing these mental health issues? I know sometimes office visits can be $100, $150 per hour. And it's like, okay, we need to be here weekly. And so that you know adds up pretty quick. Yeah, so I guess you know, the first thing I would say is kind of the, the tips I already gave. Sometimes there are mental health providers embedded within pediatricians offices. Um, and that would be oftentimes covered by insurance in a, in a more seamless way. Not obviously insurances are so different, Mm -hmm. but, um, that's becoming more common. Um, so certainly ask about that. The other thing we talked about, the school counselors, that's free um, and a g- good resource. Those people are trained um, and you know, definitely important to take advantage of that. In terms of um, outside therapy or psychiatry, yes, it, it can get really expensive. Um, The first thing I would say about that is everybody's different, but a lot of times you don't have to go every week and you don't have to go for a super long period of time. Sometimes we get in this mindset that like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be committing to like a year of weekly sessions. And for that same amount, I could like practically buy a new car. Like it just becomes daunting, but that's not always the case. In fact, it's it is more often the case that people don't go as frequently and don't go for as long and still get benefit. Um, I would encourage folks to be really upfront with their mental health provider and say, Hey, like cost is an issue. Um, Are there things that we can do? Um, Either do you have a sliding scale or are there things that we can do in between sessions Um, to keep working on these things, but maybe we wouldn't have to go as often. Do you have session times or days that are less expensive? That actually does happen. Oh, Um, wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So I think be open. I mean, 
I have those conversations all the time with folks. I understand money doesn't grow on trees, um, you know, and so um, there are different things that folks can do to help um, minimize the cost or at least have cost in mind when treatment planning is happening. Um, Now, there are therapists um, embedded in other organizations, oftentimes um, very large churches, if that's something you're comfortable with, you know, can often have mental health providers Mm -hmm. as part of their staff. And those are maybe free or very low cost because they're supported by the church. Obviously, that's not comfortable for everyone, um, but that can happen. If your teen is part of the LGBTQ community, there are often um, supports and services that are um, funded either by state or local governments or other Mm -hmm. LGBTQ support communities that are free and low cost. Um, And just like if you were dealing with grief um, and needed services, you know, local hospice chapters often provide grief services. The same can be true for like LGBTQ youth. Um, So it is daunting um, for sure, but there are, resources out there if you're willing to be a little bit flexible to like um maybe be part of a group or um like I said you know get services through another type of organization a church or a um LGBTQ group or you know whatever right it does take a lot of like work I will say I mean it's just it's sad it shouldn't but it does I know. And, you know, it's crazy because it's like you recognize that your teen needs help. And then I think there's some of these things that come up that, you know, like even the question of is it a psychologist, psychiatrist or counselor, like making the appointment, you know, just finding the time in the day to drive to the place and get you where you need to be and everyone on time. And so I feel like you determine that, yes, there's there's a issue that we need to address and then I feel like that's just the beginning because then you're you have all these roadblocks I I guess they were roadblocks but like hurdles I guess that you're like oh my gosh now I have this like can't someone just say hey go do this be here done (laughs) yeah no for sure it it is it's 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 a part-time job if not a full-time job you know if you have a child that is struggling um, with any kind of illness, mental illness or otherwise, I mean, that it's it's a lot um, for sure. Well, and I, I was talking to someone the other day. I said, you know, you know, not to be super dark about it, but, you know, not addressing things and getting things moving sometimes could be really a matter of life or death. Sadly, I know in our community, we've had, you know, several suicides over the past year and a half in our teen group and it's like uh, I hate to think about it but I also think like how quickly can I you know start the process and I don't you know for others if some of these questions can help um, move things forward and not help feel like there's so many hurdles in the way then you know Mm -hmm. I really hope that that helps yeah and you know um my colleagues and I, um, other psychologists, uh, friends and colleagues here, you know, we're, 
certainly very busy and our practices have been very full. Um, and we understand that um, parents are, you know, <laughs> at their breaking point. Yes. Um, and so they get oftentimes and they call and we say, I'm sorry, we yeah. have an appointment for a while or, you know, it's at a weird time or whatever. And frequently they get really angry, you know, and it, I don't think they're angry at us, but they're angry because, right. because of the situation. Um, so I, you know, in that situation, I would say, um, I try to be kind and realize that the people you're calling or emailing are going through this yes. junk, just like you. Um, and just try to be flexible and pleasant and you probably will get in sooner. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I no, I, no, I totally <laughs> agree with you. I feel like prob and, and it's the like sad part of it is that the, pro- the parents you know, maybe again, another benefit to talking through a lot of these things today is maybe addressing things earlier before you are at a point, which I know isn't always possible, where you're at like that point where it's like, I have to do something now mm-hmm. or, you know, like right now, like we mm-hmm. need help like today. And so I think when you're like, maybe some of the things we talked about earlier, addressing things early on and knowing what your options are and kind of educating yourself on on, um, you know, what might be going on in that world maybe could help, um, you know, alleviate that, like, okay, it's like, not, this is like totally not to compare it, but with me, with my hair, it's like, I let my hair grow to the point (laughs) where like, I don't, I'm just like, Oh, I don't have time for a haircut. I don't have time for a haircut. And then I get to the point where I'm like, I need a haircut right now. Like I need it today. And I'm like calling and I'm mad and I'm like, see, this is like not a good system. So, um, yeah, no, that's a great, and that's a great example. And if you're <laughs> nasty to the receptionist on the phone, yeah. she's going to go out of her way to right. help you. Um, yeah. But if you're like, yes, I'll be on a cancellation list. Right. Yeah. yeah that's the other, that, that's another good call too. cancellation list. I feel like if you are in a, in a bind asking that question, when you call, there are cancellations. So always, always, always. So that's that flexibility piece. And yeah, especially for those first few appointments, if you can just kind of make it work, then a lot of times you can get on a schedule that's going to suit your family better. Right. Okay. All right. So I mean, life still goes on during times of struggle and growth. So how would you direct a family to be supportive during a time when there's a mental health struggle? And I might even add to that question, when you have other siblings and the focus suddenly becomes on the teen, right? Where everything shifts, like we need to focus here and get this taken care of. So what are your recommendations on family support system, I guess, and not like totally leaving other siblings and children like out, out, out of the mix? <laughs> well, I think um, it's important to, first of all, understand that not everything's going to be fair all the time. And that's okay. So there are going to be periods where one child or parent or whoever dog in the family is going to need more care and time and effort than the others. That's just the way it is. That's part of being in a family. Um, and so 
it doesn't help to beat ourselves up about it as parents um, because it just is what it is. So I think that's an an important first step, (laughs) you know, try to Mm -hmm. get rid of the guilt. Um, With that said, I think the more you can keep your normal stuff that you do as a family normal, um, the better. So if that means you order pizza on Friday nights, even if your teenager who's having a terrible time no longer eats wheat, tomatoes, or cheese, like we we keep ordering pizza and they can have a bowl of cereal or whatever they're going to do. You know, if you like to go out to brunch on Sunday mornings or you enjoy watching the football games on Monday nights or whatever it is, and, and I think all families have something, mm-hmm. um, even if we don't recognize it as traditions, I think we almost all do, um, you know, keep those up. And I think it, it helps the other kids in the family, um, feel some sense of normalcy. I think it helps us as parents feel some sense of normalcy and also a little bit of relief, like, okay, there are still some good things in the yes, world. Yes. Yes. And I think it helps the teen, even if they're not participating or even if they're participating, but being kind of jerks, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) it gives them some sense of stability. Like, okay, like I'm maybe feeling unstable and awful, but my family is kind of a rock for me. And I know that every Friday they're going to order pizza and maybe I feel like crap and maybe I hate pizza, but this is still going to go on, even if I'm not participating in it. And I think that is really important. Um, They may not know it, but deep down in there, I think there's importance in that. Yeah, there is. And I have to say myself, you know, when there's, it's hard because everyone's in this negative space and it's like, why do we even want, like, I don't want to sit down with all you negative people for dinner, you know, like I, I don't want to be sucked into this. Um, so it is hard. And I found myself like, I mean, schedules and activities coming back to kind of knocked our family dinner off. Mm-hmm. Um, but family dinner is something always so important to me. And, you know, just over the, I don't even know the past six months, it's like, we really have, we're having family dinner because it was just not a happy space, but I have started like implementing it back into the schedule and we're getting back. And even though sometimes it's not the most joyous occasion, mm-hmm. um, you know, we go through peaks and pits and um, talk about the good part of the day and the bad part of the day. That's the only requirement of speaking at the dinner table, but um it is better. Like you said, it does feel like, oh, well, this is normal. Like this is like something that I have that we have together and we know it's going to happen. Yeah. And it's okay if it's not every day. There's not a magic, you know, potion that if you have dinner together every single day, then you're better off. I mean, it's just the best we can. Right. Even if it's one or two days or every other week or, you know, I mean, we just got to do what we can do. Um, you know, especially in the really hard times. Right. So I know we're coming up on time here, but I do have two more questions we'll get through. Um, So this kind of segue from the last question, what is your advice to parents who feel like maybe this is their fault? Like they did something wrong down the parenting road 
um, that sent their child or teen in this direction? Well, here's the deal. We've all done a million things wrong. Like I'm certain I've done 10 things wrong just today. And it's I was going to say, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it is. And um, we're not going to change that because none of us are perfect. And parenting, especially teenagers, is really hard. Um, I think the best thing we can do is try to have an open mind and an open attitude to learning new things or understanding our children or ourselves in a different way, um, learning from others, being open. You know, if our, if our kids' mental health provider talks to us about potentially making some changes within the family system, you know, be open to that um, and considering that and being vulnerable ourselves. Um, you know, I think that's the very best thing and the only thing really we can do, because if we expect perfection in ourselves and our children and our partner, um, it, we're just going to always be disappointed. Um, and by the way, nobody on this planet has ever parented through a pandemic before. Um, we're still in it <laughs> and yeah. it, we are going to be discovering the ramifications of COVID for years. I mean, it's going to be years and years and years. So, um, you know, just giving ourselves the grace to do the best we can. And like I said, have that open attitude to learning new things, doing things different ways, trying out different strategies, listening to our children when they ask us to do things different ways. Now that doesn't mean we always should, but I do think it's important to be open. Um, and yeah, just trying to get rid of that guilt because it, I mean, I, that is much easier said than done speaking from someone that carries a lot of guilt myself. I was going to um, say, I'm, I'm waving both hands over here. Hey, <laughs> um, but it just, nothing good comes of it. It just, it doesn't produce good fruit. <laughs> you know, it just, right makes us feel really bad and makes us want to stay in bed. And that, that doesn't get anybody anywhere. Right. And I think having the conversations too with your teen, you know, working through those things yourselves, but also being like transparent with your teen that like, Hey, I'm working on these things. I've been trying to do that a little more yeah. with mine so that we're I'm like, I'm not perfect. You know, she's like, well, you do this. And you know, everything has to be this way and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, that's me. She, she's actually totally side note. Uh, my teen has been, uh, writing quotes from quotes, uh, my quotes, oh, no. <laughs> um, in her notes section of her phone uh. but when they're, when she reads them out of context, <laughs> speaking of bad parenting, <laughs> um, I'm like, that's not what I meant when you don't oh. hear the full conversation. So she had one she read me yesterday and it said, um, <laughs> you do you, I'll do me. Whatever is your jam is your jam. We'll all get through it. <laughs> oh, I kind of like that though. <laughs> so I was like, oh geez, this is going to be like published somewhere someday. Like the book of parenting fail. <laughs> no, no. They are pretty funny though. So well, I maybe have to really start keeping track of things she said. I'm sure they'll Oh yeah. Silly. <laughs> That's a good idea, actually. I'm gonna have to start that in my notes section. 
So, <laughs> um, so just to round it out, how can parents gauge if the help they've identified is working? I know you can't probably tell right away, but like, is there something that you look at? What's the gauge? Oh, that's such a good question. And I wish I had a great answer. Um, you know, I think first asking your teenager what they think, asking the therapist or psychiatrist or whoever what they think. Um, and um, those are important ways to measure. But I guess kind of back to where we started today, like what are some red flags we need to be aware of? You know, is that isolation piece? Um, so if your kid is really struggling with depression in particular or social problems, and they've been in treatment for a while, are you noticing that they're isolating less? Are they engaging anymore with the family, with friends, um, with classmates? Um, that can be one of the first glimmers of change um, that we notice is just they're maybe a little more open um, to doing things. Um, maybe it's not the things you want them to do, or maybe it's, right. you know, whatever, that's a separate conversation, but just a little more engaged in the world. Um, you know, that, that is something that would be important to see, but again, it's, it's a slippery, weird process, mental health treatment. I wish it wasn't, um, but it is, and it can, it can be hard to understand progress. So I would just really try to be in communication as much as you can um, with your kiddo and or the provider um, and just talk really regularly about that um, because the therapist will most likely see some change before you will. Um, you know, they might start engaging in the therapy sessions a little bit differently or open up a little more or share a little more um, vulnerable information or private information. You know, so as I say, just um, try to be patient. I know it's really hard, um, but even small little wins and changes, you know, write them down, keep them on your phone, like cherish those because um, it's not going to be a linear, like every day is a little bit better than the next. Sadly, right. it doesn't work that way. It's a little better and then a little worse and then a little better and a little worse. So over the course of several months, we might be at a better place um, than where we started, but it's going to be full of um, ups and downs. Um, so that's why I say we kind of have to keep track um, on like paper or a phone of what's going on because our memory, if we rely on our memory, it's not very good. Or if we rely on what's going on today, it might not be an accurate indication of what's gone on in the last month. Right. Say. Does that make sense? That's kind of all over. The no, place. it does. And actually we just had a conversation here last night about, I don't even know. Uh, my teen and I were talking and I said something about like where we are now. And she said, well, just think of where we were at this time last year, like how I felt and how we all felt. And, yeah. you know, and I thought, oh, yeah, <laughs> we're in great shape. <laughs> yeah. No, Looking back to last year, last of October um, and this mental state of all of us, I think here in our house, I'm like, oh, we are. You're right. 
we, it yeah. seems like we're, we still got our things, which we always have our things, but yeah. you know, we are in a much better place than last year at the same time. So. No, I think that I'm glad she said that. I mean, that because we are almost all of us horrible reporters of even our mood three days ago. Um, and most of us are really terrible at having any kind of perspective. Yeah. <laughs> it just, that's the mm-hmm. way we are as humans. Um, so yeah, I think um, any any way we can keep track in any kind of more objective way, um, it can be really helpful. For sure. Well, I think we have covered on a lot of great topics today. And I think we probably have a handful for follow-up episodes um, to, to dive a little deeper into if you, if you'll come back to us, <laughs> we'd love to have you. Um, can you tell listeners where they can connect with you? So I no longer really have any social media. That's my own mental health. Um, oh, I might be joining you. <laughs> yeah, um, but I am online at drstephaniesmith.com. That's my website, um, that has my information about how to contact me. Um, through phone or email. Um, but, but that's about it these days. All right. Well, I like it. Streamlining. Yeah. <laughs> Good for your mental health. I agree. I need to get on board. Well, thank you for joining us today. I am so excited for everyone to hear this episode and get some feedback and then plan for our next conversation. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us today to talk about this important topic. If you like Healthy Family Project, please tell a friend and leave us a rating. It will only help our visibility so we can continue to create a healthier generation. If you want to find me direct, I'm Amanda M. Kiefer on Instagram. And I'm also in our Facebook group, Healthy Family Project, uh, having conversations over there. And you can find Healthy Family Project on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, TikTok, and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe. Talk soon.